Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett. My passion for football and pushing boundaries has helped me to create a successful business using the same performance building principles of the world's best players. Through my Move the Ball book, workshops, and consulting work, I've used the same system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize those tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. I'm glad that you are here with us today. As you all know, on this podcast, we talk about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. Two things before we get into today's show. First, if you have not already done so, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And secondly, we recently launched the Move the Ball merchandise store. There is a link in the show notes, so be sure to go check all of that out. Get yourself some swag and rock that you're a part of the Move the Ball movement. Okay, for today's episode, I've got a great guest with us who's doing some amazing things both on the field and beyond the game inside the huddle with us today. I'm ready to talk about his experience and what he does to move the ball is Alexander Madison. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Well, I'm excited to have you here with us. First off, you recently had a birthday. So happy belated birthday. Your birthday was also on Father's Day. Um, and I know you and your wife are expecting. Did you do anything fun for your special day? Uh, yeah, you know, spend some time with family. That's always the, the goal. That's always uh, the most fun that I think that I can have. So, uh, yeah, that was that was pretty much, you know, what my day was like and kind of what my whole weekend was like. And, you know, had lots of fun with the family. I'm glad that you had some awesome family time for that weekend. So let me just share a little bit about your background for our listeners. Alex is an NFL running back who played college football at Boise State. He was drafted in the third round of the 2019 NFL draft by the Minnesota Vikings, where he is still currently playing. We're going to discuss Alex's football journey and more on the show. Okay, Alex, are you ready to move the ball? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So first off, you're from San Bernardino, California, went to San Bernardino High School. You've been a competitive athlete, running a lot in football rushing over 2,000 yards for both your final two seasons, but you also wrestled and you ran track. As a competitive athlete, what were some of the things that you've learned that you think you've applied to be successful, not only in your football career, but just with anything that you do? Some of the key things I think I learned are uh, hard work and dedication and everything that you do. You know, some of those things that I learned throughout playing sports are, are things that I carry in every aspect of my life, you know, having discipline, integrity, and accountability. Um, all those things are stuff that I carry in different areas of my life, especially going through school and, and college and even just, you know, having some jobs in college and things like that. Just in life, you can't go without those key disciplinary habits that you learn through those sports. So yeah, I definitely say that I commend every sport that I've ever played for everything that I do now. You've been in the league for a few years now, going into year four. How has your perspective changed over the, the period regarding the NFLs being a business and when you came into the league as a rookie versus being a veteran now? And how has your mentality changed? I think just kind of pulling that, that inner dog out of you a little bit and just understanding, uh, like you said, the aspect of this is a business and they treat it like that. You know, no matter how much they like you, no matter how much 
you feel a connection between, you know, the people upstairs and the people in the locker room. At the end of the day, it's business and you have to come in and do your job or they're going to move on to the next person. And, you know, although you get to, rep, you know, really take it in and say, you know, I'm living my dream, you really have to snap into that professional mentality and understand that it's not a dream anymore. It's reality. So mm-hmm. although it may feel like you're still living your childhood dream, you have to treat it as, you know, this is this is more than that. This is a business. This is your job. And as long as you can do that, um, you can have fun with it at the same time. And, you know, I'm blessed to have the career that I have because it is a dream every single day. But yeah, at the same time, yeah, I had to make sure that I learned that that mentality, that switch from, you know, just being a dream to being a business and, and reality. And when you look at the running back position, what in your mind do you think are the skills necessary to be elite at the skill position at the NFL level? I definitely would say that having a a hard work ethic, definitely you can't go without, you know, working on your craft every single day to be successful in this league at that position. Uh, But also being smart, being able to, you know, learn, being able to, you know, pick up an offense, learn different things about an offense and uh, just kind of having a mentality of that dog mentality. Like I said, you have to kind of bring that out of you because there's guys like J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney and Miles Garrett that are putting their hand in the dirt to come get you. So yeah, there's a, I think there's a a lot that goes into being a running back that kind of makes you able to be successful in this league. Now, my listeners know that this whole move the ball movement started because I wrote a book on football called move the ball, where I talk about different strategies that I've taken away from the game to be successful. One of those things that I talk about is that focus on always needing to continually improve and looking at how you can get that 1% better every day is they say, you know, we recently had OTAs and mini camp, you're in the off season. Now, what are some of the things that you're focused on currently to take your game to the next level come season? There's a lot that I, uh, you know, nitpick at myself, little details that I want to get better, uh, especially, you know, going into year four. Um, I got, you know, a lot of different things on my list, explosion, being able to go out there and just not think too much which is me spending more time in my playbook and, uh, and trying to make sure that I know concepts, know defenses and uh, reading, you know, what this lineup is, what this blitz might be, those type of things. I want to just be able to kind of read just a little bit faster. You know, over the years, I've been getting better. So I want to keep getting better at that. And then just, you know, have fun out there. Sometimes, you know, you can treat it as uh, a job and that's when you can make mistakes. That's when you can catch yourself in, a, uh, in an area where, you know, you're thinking too much out there on the field. So I want to be able to just prepare myself the best that I can so that I go out there and I just have fun. And, uh, you know, you have your guests, your best games when you're just out there playing like the little kid that you were that fell in love with the game when you were six. And since you mentioned that, you made me think, what about football made you fall in love with the game? Everything about it. You know, I was, I was five years old and I saw my brother playing and I wanted to play, but I was too young. And when I finally got my chance, when I turned six, when I was able to play, uh, when I got out there, it was just everything about it. When when the ball first touched my hands, putting on my helmet and the team aspect, um, you know, some of those those guys that I've started playing with when I was six years old are some of my close friends still to this day. So, yeah, just everything about the game is just, it's amazing. I told people if the world was like the Minnesota Vikings locker room, the world would be a better place. And so, yeah, I, I think that football really does bring that out of people. And what do you really like about the Minnesota Vikings culture? It's just it's just one of those cultures. It's just, you know, there's a blue collar mentality. 
you know, it's a, it's a family environment. It's, it's one of those things that, like I said earlier, you know, you have to remember that it's a business because being in an organization like the Vikings, it, it feels like family. And um, at the end of the day, that's where you have to separate some of the business decisions from the personal ones, because I believe that nothing that happens in that organization is personal because it's so, the culture is so tight knit and the, the group there is, is like family that, you know, if there is a decision that comes down the line from the up, up top or, or the ownership, I wholeheartedly believe it's only business because they're so amazing on making everyone feel welcome. Everyone feel like this is home. And, you know, we have guys that might have only spent a year there when, you know, get the opportunity to come back. You know, they just right back in and they they love it better than any other place they've been. Oh, that's great. And so when you look at your time with Minnesota and you look at the camaraderie and the bonds that you find, I mean, it is a business, it is a profession. And so part of that is also building relationships with your fellow teammates, as well as the coaching staff and others out there. Who are some of the folks that you have really clicked with and, and formed some strong relationships with? Well, definitely uh, the running back room, everyone in the running back room, we're all real close, uh, especially my guy, Dalvin Cook, uh, CJ Ham, Amir Abdullah. Those guys all took me under their wing when I came in. And, you know, those are big brothers to me. We call CJ, we call him Papa Ham because he's just like the dad of the group. And then and Dalvin, he's just, you know, is this really down to earth guy that just you would think someone that's in a starting role and, you know, we're drafting backs every year to bring in, you know, he would have maybe chip on his shoulder. That's kind of like, I don't have to teach you. I don't have to, you know, but he takes you under his wing. And he's, he told me my, my rookie year, he said, try and take my job because that's going to make you better. And that's going to make me better. The better man wins at the end of the day. And that's you. Then, you know, I can be happy with myself and know that, you know, I lost to a better man and not just, you know, I was holding you back from having a better career because I didn't want to share information and I don't want to help you grow. So, yeah, even to this day, you know, based on each other, we spend a lot of time together. And yeah, it, I just love everything about the locker room. Adam Thielen, Kirk Cousins, those are those are my guys. They all took me under their wing. And yeah, it's awesome. I think it's a great mature mentality, you know, that TJ has, because it's all about, as a team, it's all about developing your teammates, right? And you want everyone to succeed. And even off the field and business, you want to be making sure that you're helping your colleagues to be the best that they can be as well. Yeah, exactly. So we talked about how you're going into year four. We recently had the NFL draft a couple months ago, and uh, the rookies have transitioned into becoming professional football players. I want to kind of talk through your pre-draft process and then your transition into the league. So I mentioned that you played at Boise State. Uh, Well, first off, why did you choose Boise State? It was just the perfect fit for me. They came down to see me, I think, the most out of all the colleges that had offered me. You know, they'd pop in and two coaches at a time, three coaches at a time. And then uh, I got to do a camp with them, actually. They hosted a camp in, at Corona Centennial, and the uh, you know, whole coaching staff was there. And I was able to you know, meet everybody, see how they worked, and the energy was just amazing. And I just knew that I wanted to be a part of that family. And for me, I wasn't sold on the big party schools like Arizona State, Pac-12, like other schools that were offering me. They're kind of like putting that in the package deal. Like, you know, we... You know, on campus, we have one of the best, you know, all the student type of experiences that they might think like someone, a college student might want. But, you know, Boise wasn't selling that to me. You know, they've got outdoors things to do. The river runs down the back of the campus. And it's really one of those environments that just allows you to 
have a college experience, but experience a lot more being from California. You know, there's, there's not too much of that that I was able to experience. You know, they have the ski resort right there, a lot of different hiking, the river and all that. And just uh, it's a smaller, you know, not not a big school, smaller school. So it was yeah, it was just the perfect fit for me. And, you know, you can't get enough of that blue. Nice, nice. And as a true freshman there, you end up playing in all 13 games. You played in all 14 games. Your sophomore year had a thousand plus yard rushing season your sophomore year again as a junior in 2018. Like, What were you doing to really ensure that you would show out every Saturday? Oh, I was uh, I was grinding uh, every summer weekends. Uh, me and my guy, Avery Williams, his, uh, my roommate, Dez, and uh, we would go. You know, it'd be like 8 p.m. We'll go make sure we do our abs in the sauna. We'll go and do some footwork and just doing the extra stuff in between to make sure that we're ready to go. And uh, for me, bouncing back from some surgeries and stuff in the off seasons, because in college, I never had a, a whole off season. So we were getting right in the summer and fall camp and and it all paid off. And you mentioned that you had a couple injuries. You had a shoulder surgery, had an ankle surgery, all in the off season. So you never missed a game. But what were you during those times to just kind of ensure that you would still be at your peak as a player? I mean, it's not just about the physical part. There's mental piece. There's reviewing game film. Like there's other things that you can be doing so that you're ready to go when you're back at it. What were some of the things that you were doing while you were rehabbing? Yeah, that's a lot. You know, I spend a lot of time in the facility watching film, watching my old film and critiquing myself. And then watching some other guys that were in the league already, like, you know, Adrian Peterson, Marshawn Lynch. Those are guys that I really was looking at to kind of craft my game after and and make my game better. As a kid, who were some of those guys that you looked up to that you really wanted to model your game after? Yeah, and it sounds crazy just because, you know, playing against some of these guys, I got the chance to to talk with Adrian Peterson and, and exchange numbers with him and I still got that picture hanging up in my house, but that was a guy that I, I watched growing up, uh, Marshawn Lynch and uh, Jamal Charles. Uh, those are really the three that I was watching growing up. And I mean, it's not, it's, it's crazy to think just because, you know, not too far off, but, you know, just because I, I am younger. So it kind of merges that, that time gap. But yeah, those are really guys that I was watching when I started getting into watching highlights and, and learning how to craft my game and change some things about my game. You ended up declaring for the 2019 NFL draft. Uh, a reason for coming out early was you had said you can only play as long as your body lets you. And at this position, you can't assume it'll last forever. Talk just about, you know, that that decision to come out. Yeah, well, you know, um, during that season, it was kind of hard because, you know, got off to a little bit of a rough start. I mean, I wouldn't even say I felt like it was a rough start um, until I kind of was looking at the stat sheet and it wasn't lining up with, what I needed to, um, you know, I had a couple of different like highlight plays or big plays in there, but you know, the stat sheet was not lining up and I knew that that mattered too. And so something just clicked, something just happened. You know, O-line started clicking, my game started just clicking. And, you know, during, I think the month of October or November, we had like five, six games in a row where I was just back to back to back to back big games. And, you know, my coaches started talking to me about insurance policies and get a couple calls and texts from like some agents that, you know, I haven't heard of. And, you know, I really had, I knew in my mind that I was coming back before that. But when that started happening, when I started, you know, your, your coach is pulling you into the office, asking you like, what is your decision? 
you know, have you thought about this? You know, insurance policy, all these different things. I had, you know, a tough time really the last like two games having to think about this. And then I went for 200 in the uh, championship game and it was like, okay, where do we go from here? And I was using that bowl game actually to decide, you know, if I, if I had another great game in that bowl game, I was going to go. And if I didn't, I was going to maybe reconsider and stay. But we got five minutes in and uh, Thunder and Lightning delayed that game and canceled that game. And I was sitting there with a really, really tough decision. And just for me, I kind of saw that as God letting me know that it was time. Although I wanted it to be like, okay, this is time because of, you know, positive, uh, great finish, great closeout game. But that was in my mind. God told me, you know, it's time. You're healthy. Uh, this is the first time you're healthy after a, your college season. And uh, you had a you know, great end to your season, great run. This is time for you to step away and go into the next chapter of your life. And you're one of those elite players that were invited to the NFL Combine in Indy. Tell us about that Combine experience for you. Oh, that was, it was amazing. I mean, it was crazy and it was amazing. It was uh, something definitely that you don't expect. You know, it's a dream come true and you get to see all the different signs. You get to see everything because I, you know, grew up watching this every year and to be there, it was, it was crazy, but it is draining. You know, you're there for five days, all the stuff that you have to do. You just don't think about it until like you're actually in it, you know, combine prep and then actually being there is just, you know, every day, all day and then testing and all that. Right. And people see people see the drills, right? They see the 40, they see the bench press on TV, but there's a lot of other stuff that goes into it, all the medical stuff. You might be at the hospital all day long. You got interviews with teams and media, and it's it is a long week for players for sure. What was the your most memorable part of that experience? I would have to say, I mean, I took it all in. So every like every time I get questions about the combine, I go from day one and it just kind of just keeps running in my head until the day's over. But um, I'd say some of the most memorable times were, you know, being in the area where we're, you know, about to get it set up and do our bench press and stuff, because that's the real time you actually are about to start testing all, all the other stuff, like spending the days in the hospital and, and doing like the mental tests and stuff like that. Those kind of just flow through the day. But then you get that kind of pump of adrenaline and excitement. We're getting ready backstage, getting ready for the bench. And I remember just, you know, hearing my name ready to go up on the stage and everything kind of got a little quiet, even though there's kind of some noise around and you got the spotlight on you on that stage. And that was kind of my first big memory of like, okay, it's time. And then just, you know, being in that, you know, walking in there, getting ready was just amazing. And then I, I really enjoyed my time just being able to sit down and, and talk to each of these teams. Um, when we did our interviews, uh, that was a really special moment just to kind of test my own mental strength and test my own ability to, to do these things. And it gave me a lot of confidence. When you look back on pro day and the combine and, you know, just getting ready for the draft process, like what are some of the things that you'll remember? Just, I mean, it's a lot of work training for the combine. It's a lot of work being at the combine, staying mentally locked in. Then you got pro day about a month later, training, training, getting ready for like, what are some of the things that you'll take away from the entire pre-draft experience? You learn a lot about what it takes, not only to get ready for, you know, you're getting ready for one day. Really, essentially, we're training all this time to get ready for one day. And then in the grand scheme of things, you look back, you got to get ready for a whole 17 games. And I took away from that combine experience that, yeah, you're training right now for this one day, pro day. Yeah, you're training all this time for one day. 
but you're going to have to turn that training over into getting ready for a whole season and postseason. So I kind of learned and was able to really learn that quick and shape my training and shape my, my downtime to not be really downtime, but to be subtle preparation versus, you know, hard work and intense preparation, you know, because you have those different times now that you're off. And, uh, you know, I just hope a lot of these rookies understand that and they're getting that in their ear as well. Just even today, you know, if I'm not going to go work out today, I'm going to make sure that I stretch, you know, I have my 6 p.m. stretch alarm, my 8 p.m. stretch alarm, and then, you know, all the different things that I do. I got a hyperbaric chamber, uh, uh, infrared sauna. You know, I like to make sure that I'm doing a lot of different things to make sure that my body is good and ready to go for a whole season. Yeah, that preparation, that taking care of your body, just doing all those little things that you need to to ensure that your body is capable to perform at its peak is very important. So let's talk about your your draft process. So it's draft day. You ended up getting called in the third round. The Vikings obviously picked you up. So what was that like for you? Oh, I still get the chills every time I think about that day. You know, I didn't know where I was going to go with the whole process. I heard, you know, sixth round, fifth round, great free agent. You know, I heard every round almost except for first, second, or third. You know, we went into that draft day. Uh, my agent called me, said there's uh, we got word there's like two teams that potentially could take you in the third. And it's probably like a 20% chance that you can, you know, you'll get drafted in the third today. And to me, you know, I told him, I said, well, it was a 1% chance that I, I'd even get here. So I'll take 20. And so, you know, we're waiting and everyone's here and, and family's all here. We're on the couch and we see the team that he had mentioned traded and they were out of the round. And we just, it was kind of getting down there. The teams that I talked to the most, the teams that, you know, you knew had interest in you start dropping out. They start, you know, their picks, they're no longer there. And the Vikings had the last pick. And uh, we knew that, you know, if, if it was going to happen, it was going to be them uh, with the last pick. Uh, but we had saw them trade and we were like, oh, well, you know, tomorrow's the day. And then we saw them had the last, last pick. We we're just waiting and about, I think, three picks to go. I started getting a call and I was just like, who's calling me right now? Like, I'm trying to, I'm locked in. And it took me about two seconds to, you know, actually like look and be like, let me see who's calling me. And it was a, it was a Minnesota number and I answered and it was everything. Yeah, it was just a dream come true. Yeah, it was it was very special. What's going through your mind as you're you're seeing the picks come through and you know, you've heard all of these things about what round you can go in, possibly third round. Like what is going through your mind as you're seeing other names being called and just waiting for your name to get called? Well, you know, there was there's you know a lot of guys that you might have trained with. So you're like, oh yeah, that's my dog, like good for him. And but you know, that anticipation just kind of builds up and and you're just knowing that, you know, your chances of going in this round and on this day are kind of getting slimmer and slimmer. So uh, it's one of those things where you're just like, oh, come on, come on. But at the same time, you know, I, you know, I knew that, uh, like I had told my agent, you know, it was a 1% chance that I'd even be in the position I am today. So, you know, whatever the percentage of me getting drafted is, I'm grateful no matter what, you know, if that was the seventh round, just to hear my name called and get that phone call is going to be my dream come true. That's a great perspective to have. So walk us through. So your name's called, you learn that you're going to suit up as a Viking. You ship off to Minnesota, you go through mini camp and, and training camp. What was it like for you that rookie season? I got a couple warnings 
throughout the process that it would be the longest year of my life. And there was there was no lie to that. You go straight from playing college ball to jumping right into combine training, right? And, you know, continue to pro day training. Then you get right after the draft, you get right to rookie mini camp and OTAs. And then really there's no downtime because you got to keep training that little break that we have during the summer. And then you're right into training camp and roll right into a 16 game season. Then we went to the second round of playoffs that year. So yeah, it was, it was a long year, but it was, it was amazing. It was amazing when I got there, you know, seeing the facility and being, you know, in this position where I'm living my dream out, they had high expectations when I got there. So it was kind of foot in the fire right out the gate. I had to really apply myself and uh, there was a lot of pressure, but like I said, those guys took me under their wing and, and made my rookie year and my transition into the NFL a lot easier. And you had your NFL debut uh, during the 2019 season opener against the Falcons. Ended up having nine carries for 49 yards. The Vikings won that game. How did it feel playing your first NFL game and then getting the W? I felt great. Yeah, it felt good. You know, there was a, a play that I, I wish I had back that I just keep playing over my head. I'm like, I could add my first touchdown in my first game. And, uh, you know, I just didn't take the right shoulder leverage to to get in the, the zone. I thought I had got in there, snuck in there, but I should have just, you know, ran through him a little bit more and I would have got the touchdown. But yeah, that game was just, you know, it was a great game. You know, Dalvin was, was going off. The, the offense was clicking, defense was clicking. It was awesome to be a part of like, you know, I'm a part of this NFL team and I'm actually in here and I'm getting carries and, you know, contributing to the game. So it was, it was awesome. When you look at your rookie season, what was your favorite experience of that first year? There was, there was a couple memorable games, but I'd say even just being able to see my family, you know, going to those away games, having them go to the away games and us going out to dinner and spotting them in the, in the, in the crowd, all of that was really special to me. And then the one game I'd say that was like extremely memorable, we were down in, in New Orleans and we beat them in overtime to go to the second round. And I mean, it was so loud. I'm helmet to helmet with Kirk and I can barely hear him. And yeah, that game was, was insane. Now you're going into year four. As you look back on your NFL career, how have you grown as a player and as a leader in professional football? I found my voice. I found my, my worth. And that's, that's a big realization in this league is to be able to understand your worth, understand uh, your voice as well. So on and off the field, being able to just kind of be a guy that whether I'm leading by example or leading with words that I can do that. And I have, you know, feel like I am comfortable doing that. That's something that I've learned and really has kind of changed my my approach to the game, my approach to life, and my approach to, you know, any business that I'm doing on or off the field is is something that I've I've carried with me. Well, I love that. And so, you know, moving the ball is not just about what you do on the field, it's what you do off the field in business, but to also make a difference and an impact to others. And something that I know you're very passionate about is working with kids and helping that next generation to be not only better athletes, but better people. And so you, along with Greg Bell, as you know, was on the show a few weeks ago and Greg does, he has his Athletes for Life Foundation. He's done camps. I know you were a part of those camps when you were growing up as well. Now you guys have partnered to do some camps together and you use the I Am Gifted brand as kind of the theme for your camps. First off, how did you come up with the I Am Gifted theme? Well, it was just something, um, you know, I was thinking and I didn't want, my, I didn't want a brand that just was merchandise or slap your logo on a shirt 
and sell some Alexander Madison merchandise. I really wanted a, a brand that was a movement, a brand that meant something. So, you know, I had already started growing a big passion for mental health throughout, you know, college and transitioning into the NFL. And it just came to me one day, you know, looking at my initials and I am gifted just kind of came to me just while I was doing a little bit of meditating, doing a little bit of my mental health practices that I normally do. And we came up with the, the logo, we came up with the you know, the merged AM and yeah, it just kind of stuck. And and the message behind it is that everyone's born with a gift. We just have to find it, embrace it and use it to shed some light into the world. And so, you know, every day that I uh, walk this earth, I just try and be that little bit of light in somebody's day. And I hope that other people can just continue to grasp onto that concept and be a little bit of light in somebody's day. And, you know, eventually we'll make the world a better place. I love that. I love that. I'm a positive vibe kind of person. So I think every day I strive to try to make that impact a little one or a big one. It's just about, you know, shining light and you never know how that can impact someone else's day. You talk about mental health. It's been a passion of mine to really help bring awareness to mental health. And and it's so critical, especially in today's day. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of people that are struggling. I think it's great that culturally people are now more comfortable sharing that they're struggling and that they need help. And so I, I like where things have evolved in terms of how we're embracing and appreciating mental health and spreading more awareness and light to it. So the camps that you do are not a, a lot of players that have camps usually will do like a half a day event. Yours is different. You guys, you and Greg Bell and Athletes for Life do a multi-day camp and you do a number of them. You did one in San Bernardino. You're doing one in Boise. You got one in Minnesota. Talk to us about the focus of the multi-day camp and some of the stuff you do as part of it. Yes. So, you know, giving these kids the opportunity to kind of live out a little bit of a college experience where you get away from home and you have to have some discipline and responsibility taking them through some, you know, classes on the field and off the field. So what we do is, you know, you go, you're on the field, you have your your practices, your, your workout. And then when you come off the field, you guys, you know, go to lunch, then you have your class and then you have your evening session. And then there's a, another class to follow that at the end. And then, you know, send them off with like a movie night and give them pizza, stuff like that. But kind of one of these days where you get to feel what it's like to actually have a college experience where there's practice, there's homework, there's class, there's all this and responsibilities where you can't just be running around campus and and do anything like that. But you have to actually be able to take in all this information and go out there and execute on the field and, and then go out there and execute in life. So, you know, we were able to put together some programs, you know, mental health program, social justice program. Then we give them the NCAA Clearing House and how to be eligible and financial literacy courses as well. I think that's great, especially, I mean, all of it is important. The financial literacy is also an important piece. I know a lot of people wish that their kids had been taught financial literacy in schools. More and more schools are adopting that as part of their curriculum today, but it's still definitely an area where a lot of kids are not having that exposure. And it's something that's one of those life skills that you're going to want to take with you wherever you go. So I think your guys' program and your camp is just top notch and what you're doing to make an impact is fantastic. Thank you. And I know, I know Greg has been posting about the camp that you did in San Bernardino recently. And there was a clip where you had said like the kids came up to you and told you how much fun it was. Like, how does it feel to just hear that from these young men? I mean, that was like, you know, I'm out there and the kids are it's hot out there on the field and I'm at one of the stations running them through the drills and then they come up and 
And one of the kids was just like, man, this is the, the most fun I've ever had. And I, didn't, I thought it would be fun, but I didn't think it would be this fun. And they're just coming from another drill. They like jog over and I'm, I'm about to give them some water. And he says that. And I was just like, wow, really? Like you're having like, and that, that just kind of touched my heart just because, you know, regardless of the circumstances, it was, it was hot out and they've already been through maybe three stations at this point. And the kids like, no, we don't want water. Let's, let's go. It's, you know, we're having fun. And, and that was just, to me, that's what it's all about. You know, giving these kids something to look forward to, giving these kids something to, to motivate them, not just to, to be better athletes, but to just be better people and just have fun in life and have that positive energy. So it was awesome to just get that positive feedback and have that positive energy around me. I don't, I don't know how old the kid was. He might've been like six or seven. So it was awesome. Oh, that's great. So football at some point is going to come to an end, hopefully for not some time yet. Have you thought about what you might want to do beyond the game? I always keep it in the back pocket. I do a lot off the field so that, you know, when that day comes, the transition is set up and is much easier. So I'm hoping that I can grind as much as I can to make sure that my on the field life makes my off the field life a lot easier. So, yeah, just doing a lot of things. I'm gifted is definitely going to be at the forefront of a lot that I do. And then, you know, whatever else comes with that, you know, I make some music on the side. I don't think I want to actually be in the music industry. But, you know, there's just a lot that I've kind of tried to put my put my feet in a little bit just so that I'm ready to do as much as I can. And when the opportunity presents itself, whether that's while I'm playing or after I'm playing, I think that, you know, setting yourself up for success with some of the things that you're passionate about um, is always something that's important to do. Absolutely. Completely agree. So Alex, what I want to do now is I want to run you through my two minute drill. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. First question is when you were 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, NFL player. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What three words would you use to describe yourself? enthusiastic, optimistic, and blessed. Three, three words. What is one thing that most people don't know about you? I'd say a lot of people might not know that I'm bilingual, um, that I know Spanish. So maybe that. Nice. Next question is, if you had one intro song played at all of your public appearances, what would that one song be? It might be a song by my cousin Cam, whatever song that he has out. All right. Shout out to Cam. Next question is, what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? Actually, The the Crew Has It by uh, Michael Rainey and Gianni Pavallo, the cast from Power. Okay. Next question is, you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? Michael Jackson, because it's Michael Jackson. Okay. Michael B. Jordan, because he's just an inspiration And then I'd probably say maybe Jamie Foxx because he would be the life of the park. Okay. Three great choices for sure. My last question is, do you sing in the shower? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So the follow on is, would people say that you are good at singing in the shower? Uh, I think it depends on the day, you know, how, how, how it echoes off the corner, maybe uh, might, might up my, my chances of getting a good grade on that. But yeah, maybe it's like a nah, but you can you can you have potential. Okay. <laughs> All right. So as we look to close the show, Alex, let people know where can people follow you? Where are you at on social media? Yeah, you can follow me at you know Alex underscore Madison22. I believe it's the same on Twitter, 
honestly, you could probably just search Alexander Madison and it'll come up because I put it, I usually put that in the bio. And then, you know, on TikTok, of course, it's the same, Alex underscore Madison 22. I'm starting to do a lot more stuff on, on social media, just trying to get people to see me and, and my life and my family and some stuff that we're doing. And then at IamGifted.2 is my I'm Gifted page and I'm Gifted Foundation. Those are on Instagram and you'll be able to follow all the stuff we do. You know, we just got the, the hats going. We just got some new hats in, actually a couple of different flavors. So you want to support the cause and uh, join the movement and get you some I'm Gifted gear and uh, learn some more about us and what we're doing. Perfect. We will have all of those links in the show notes so people can stay connected, can get involved, get some gear and all that fun stuff. Well, Alex, thank you so much for joining the show today. It's been a true pleasure chatting with you. Thank you. I really appreciate you. And thank you to everyone for listening to today's episode. Once again, if you have not already done so, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes. Secondly, if you like the show, make sure that you share it with a friend or two or three. It's one way that you can help me to move the ball. And again, go check out the show notes for all the links to Alex's stuff, as well as the Move the Ball merchandise store and some other things. And we'll catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball in your business, with your brand, or your career, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.